Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast, presented by Rolly White RV. Welcome back to Playing the Game podcast with your host, Brock White, and my co-host, Cody Ransom. Morning, everybody. Yeah, it's uh, we worked out this morning. Yeah, quick little workout in. And I uh, thought we'd cast podcast. We got our... Our good friend here, Blaine Anderson. What's up? How's it going? So, um, Blaine, he he's my partner, business partner in Idaho with the RV dealership, and I've gotten, I've had this last year, been able to get to know him really well, him and his family, and he has a really awesome story about how he started business and how he started his own practice and worked his way up to where he's at now. Yeah, well, thanks. That's cool. It's good to be here with you guys. So, Blaine. Yeah. Tell us a little about yourself. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Bakersfield, California. So, not too far from here, but I live in Idaho Falls, Idaho now. Oh. The well, Bakersfield Blaze. Yeah. Yeah. That's Bakersfield. Right. 1999. Did you play there? I did. Oh, is yeah, that the team? Cool. The AAA yeah. team? Uh, that was a ball at the time, yeah, for the Giants. It's not there anymore. Yes. What's there's a? I think we talked about this, right? Like the milkshake shop downtown. Yeah, Doors. Yeah, man, those yeah. are the best milkshake. Hometown classic. How many people live Shout in Vegas? Doors. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, now they they joke. They say that it's a small town in California of half a million people. Half a million people. <laughs> but it's like calling town of Gilbert. Yeah, right. It's not really a town. No, Bakersfield's a good-sized town. I mean, there's nothing special about it, but it's home for me. So you grew up there, yep. went to high school there, yep. and did, were you like the perfect star child? Oh, like, of course. Like straight A's, <laughs> never got Bow in trouble. Tie every day. Bow tie, I like it. <laughs> like, uh, so no, school actually, uniform, huh? You know, I um, had a great childhood, enjoyed growing up around there, had family nearby, but, uh, you know, like many – just high school was nothing but fun, and ended up getting kicked out of high school my senior year. Oh, got kicked out. <laughs> yeah, but was able to graduate. So, so where'd you I'll graduate? Call it a win. Centennial High School in Phoenix. No, in Bakersfield. Is it, there's a Centennial here, right? There's yeah, I think there's a lot of Centennials. Yeah, so you graduated Bakers. Yep, and then we graduated in June, and then gosh, within a month, I moved out with three other buddies, and we actually came to Tempe. Really. Yeah, and so I'm guessing you guys just like were, you know, yeah, just helping the community out. That's right. Just you maybe know, just carrying party. our school books and party. <laughs> it was. It was a big party. Did you fun. even go to college? I started two semesters yeah. at Scottsdale Community College. I was an artichoke. Did you uh, finish? Chokes. <laughs> an artichoke. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. You know, the thing it was actually 
it was good for me that those failures because I'd always, I wanted to be successful in life and failing out of college, just those two semesters. And I only took a couple of classes. I was still, I was working, I was completely independent at 18. Yeah. And, um, failing those semesters helped me to realize I, I got to do a f- few things differently. And so I started two semesters, but I didn't finish either you one. You dropped out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of interesting in college, you know. Like, I, I dropped out of one class, and I, I did an online class. And this is when I found out I couldn't do online classes. Yeah. Because I fell behind so fast. And then when you're, like, three weeks behind, it's, like, too late. Okay, yeah. I'm going to drop out. Well, you know, the thing for me, oh, later on in life, I did end up finishing college. But if there was anything that served to my advantage, it's that I went to class and went. And just yeah. was there. Yeah, because you... Because I'm not... I wasn't real good in the classroom, but I had to be there. I'd have a real hard time with online. So you ended up oh, going... I couldn't uh, do what these kids have to do now. Oh, yeah. no. No oh. way. Yeah. I would get zero out of this year. Yeah. yeah. I, um, so you ended up going on a church mission. And yeah. when did that fall in? How did you end up there? Because you, you're kind of in yeah. a party mode for a little bit. Yeah. I was. I was in party mode, and probably just my saving grace was realized I'd lost control personally and needed to do something different. So I removed myself from the situation. I moved, left Phoenix and moved to Dallas, Texas, and moved in with my aunt and uncle. So now I'm 20 years old, living back under under the roof with adults and technical difficulties here. Nice, thanks. Can you hear better? I can. <laughs> it was good before, but now it's better. So yeah. thank you. But uh, anyways, I decided it was probably about being 20, 21 in that time frame where I said, all right, I'm ready to get serious about life. And for me, that meant going to Texas. So you stayed with your uncle out there? Yeah, and he taught me some cool things, really helped me see. I ran a marathon when I was out there. I just Was that because Larry's like – so, your uncle Larry, I know him also because he's yeah. my brother-in-law's dad, and yeah, he uh, he's like a very motivated person. Totally. In life. Just to give you an idea of him, he's gone and done the Ironman in Hawaii. Yeah, I mean he's a stud, mm. and he did it like, I mean he was fifty plus years old and could go in the gym and kick everyone's ass. He's a tor- I heard, I heard a story about Larry that. There was a pull-up contest, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and at some, like, event he was at, and he went in the bathroom, did some pull-ups for the warm-up. <laughs> he warmed up in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Went in the bathroom stall. the did, stall. Yes, and did, like, 20 pull-ups. I think he won that I, I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Yeah. I, I heard, and from what they tell me, he would always make sure that he could do a pull-up for every age every year really yeah wonder if he still got in a row yeah that's impressive so he was he was (laughs) quite the guy and helped me yeah (laughs) and even when i was there with him i'd I'd believe it i mean he was he's always been in shape but more than anything he's just a go-getter and he the thing that was the most cool is he helped me yeah i mean he opened up the door and just you know, gave me an opportunity to make some corrections in my life that I needed to, and ultimately it served as the, the turning point, the fork in the road. Yeah. 
so I was there for a year, and, and then I left, and yeah, like you said, I went to the Dominican Republic. Spent two years there. Where at? In Santo Domingo. Okay. Dominican Republic, and man, had had an awesome experience. Yeah. And we were talking about Dominicans earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, they're uh, they're one of a kind, and they're fun, cool yeah. people. My experience with with uh, you know baseball guys and their their families are they're really really passionate about kind of yeah. life in general. But the yeah. uh, the family part and the uh, there's they always seem to be having fun like totally. music and dancing yeah. and laughing and like no other. Yeah, like I have a really good time playing with them and and coaching them now. Is you get the same vibe from them. It's, yeah. it's pretty their their passion for kind of life and what they do is is pretty cool. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, they're some of the most fun people. We we were just down there. We took our families and went down for Thanksgiving. And, uh, oh, really? Got, got to take our kids and went with a couple other families. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I was reminded of, of all that, just how good they are. Yeah. You know, the way they took care of us. We had mm-hmm. one driver, just to give you a little example, a couple of the families had to leave at 3.30 in the morning. And we just one driver, a guy that runs taxi, we found him and said, hey, we need a couple rides these next two days at 3.30 in the morning. Not only was he there, but we found out he slept in his car in the parking lot that night just to make sure he was there to take care of our group. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. Dude. I mean, just... Hustler. Yeah, hustler. And I, told, I asked him, I said, his name was Maximo. And I said, Maximo, hey, we got some people going tomorrow. You working? And he said... Anderson, that's what they call me. And he said, Anderson, man, if I don't work, I don't eat. Yep. That's yeah. cool. So he's working. So he's working. Um, but we had a really good time. Got to take my kids and, and family and go back and see some places where we lived. Yeah. Trip of a lifetime. So you get back from your mission, changed person, different mindset. Yeah. Where do you go to college? Well, and the thing is, I mean, I'm sure many people can relate. You know, I've always, I like, I'd much rather be on the go and doing things. I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of guy. And it was that way growing up. It's just that in high school, my commitment was partying and having fun. But when I got, when I got serious about life and started saying, all right, you know, what do I want to do? And um, so I got home from after being two years in the Dominican and I mean, I barely graduated high school. I didn't ever take the SAT, the ACT, didn't do any of those. And, but I wanted to go to college. And so I loaded up my car. Me and my brother drove from Bakersfield up to Provo, Utah. And I walked into the campus at BYU on a Monday. And I remember it was an admin day, so all the teachers and staff were there, but no kids. I walked in, put on a shirt and tie, and walked into the admissions office and said, I'm here to go to school. They said, all right, well, so do you have an application in? And I said, no. They said, all right, well, how about your transcripts? I said, I won't be able to provide those. And they said, okay, well, how'd you do on the ACT? I said, I didn't take that. They said, all right, the SAT? I said, didn't take that either. And the guy, I still remember him, he's an older gentleman, getting close to retiring. He said, oh, so let me go get my supervisor. And he brought back this guy named Travis Blackwelder, and I've still kept in touch with him to this day. But we sat down, and he said, all right. He said, you know, this, this doesn't happen too often. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll map out a plan for you. I'll map out a path. And 
you got to stick to it. There's really no no deviation. I said, all right, all I need is a chance. Just tell me what's got to be done. And so he did. And because I was 24 at the time, I was 23. And so you could take even evening classes because I thought I was going to have to commute mm-hmm. to some of their off sites up in Salt Lake. And anyways, long story short, I was old enough to where I could take some night classes. I was able to test out a Spanish because I learned the language. Yeah. And uh, it, I was down there. I just got ingrained, you know, started living, even met my soon, uh, future wife. And I remember one day getting a letter saying that I had been denied and I wasn't getting in. I was bummed. I called Travis and I said, man, Travis, I've been doing everything just like we talked about. You know, I got this letter. He said, Blaine, he said, hey, I talked to the board that wasn't supposed to go out. And he was like, I don't know if this is how you want to know. I said, no, tell me what's up. And he said, there's another letter coming. So uh, I did. I got a couple of days later, I got a letter and ended up getting in. And then I graduated in three years. But it wasn't, my time in college wasn't traditional. I'm not like a classroom guy. Mm-hmm. I did it. And I, I believe and encourage people to go to college. I think it's good. But as much as anything, it's to do hard things and to show that you can accomplish things. So I went in and actually my major I wanted to do more, but my wife was already graduated, so she didn't want to stick around much longer. So I, my major was Spanish. Yeah. My minor was business, but I was there to get done. And get get out. And I believe in education. I believe in that, but I also believe hard work and determination above all else can get you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And so I work with entrepreneurs and business people of all types, some have gone to college. Some have gone on to get, you know, doctorates. Mm-hmm. Others are just scrappers. Ready to work. So you graduated college. Yeah. Where did you go from there? Well, my first job, I wanted, I've always been into finance. Yeah. I like, I mean, if you were to see me out sitting around the pool reading or something, I'd be reading a book on from Warren Buffett or somebody reading about investments. That's what I like. Um. And so my, I had two options coming out of school. One was to work for principal financial and go and do like 401ks um, in St. George, Utah. And then I had another job, and I had learned this from when I was in Texas. I used to see pharmaceutical reps out schmoozing doctors and taking them around. And there was a company, Pfizer and Eli Lilly, that recruited out of BYU, and um, their packages were great. I mean, they give you a car, they moved you, good salary. And so I took a job. My wife wanted it more than anything. I wanted to go the other route, but yeah. I took a job with Eli Lilly selling insulin to endocrinologists and family practice docs in the territory was Idaho Falls. And so neither me or my wife had ever been there, but my plan at that time was to try to move up a corporate ladder. And I just wanted to go do my time and be on to the next place. It was the coldest town we'd ever lived in. Either one of us, it was the smallest. So we, you know, years before we even hung stuff on the wall because we thought we were just going to be leaving. Yeah. And, um, but turns out, I love Idaho Falls. There's a lot I like about it now. And and I think that's home for us. That's cool. So. So how far in, how many years did, did you work for Eli Lilly and what... How, how did your did you go straight to what you're doing now and how did that happen 
I worked for him for three and a half years, and I loved it. The training was great. I did uh, Six Sigma. Are you familiar with that? No. It's um, trained you on the processes. Like a lot of companies use it, but just identifying systems, creating models, tracking progress. Yeah. Just and and I use that a lot in, in business now. But um, I had worked with a team out of the Pacific Northwest. I made great contacts in the area where I live. And I spent three and a half years. It was great. Awesome company. And But, uh, you know, the, the best way for me to describe it is that if I, if I wanted to put it in cruise control, it, would is, it was perfect. Yeah. But I, that wasn't what I was looking for. So, yeah, it's kind of like an insurance agent in a way. Like, because, like, those guys can put on cruise control. Yeah. And, you know, and, it, and it'll, you know, you, you get 401k, you can get a pension, you make good money, they give you a car, phone. I mean, things that are just fine. But, you know, I was in my late 20s and just still, I wanted to run. Yeah. And the thing is, here was what it was for me. There were too many variables that affected my success. And I remember... That was outside your control? Outside of my control. And I just, it got to be to where I thought, man, I got I to gotta own this more. This has got to be more on me. I, I can't stand giving it everything I got and knowing that it can and should be better. And, and actually, I did well for him. I was voted MVP by my team and was on a, a good track. But it uh, just wasn't satisfying soul yeah so I'm, I spent three and a half years working with them and and um, man I actually I mean I had a couple experiences that let me see that the corporate path wasn't for me and I'm and I know there's good in that path but I used to think I wanted to be I wanted that but after spending some time there I realized that for me personally that wasn't what I wanted I met a couple people that that's what they intended to do and they're like yeah they told me that's what they wanted but I looked at them as more of an entrepreneur but you it's hard to explain to somebody it's not going to work out yeah you're going to probably just be disappointed if you're an entrepreneur the corporate route is not for you yeah I mean I I think that's real and probably something that a lot of people have to consider or think about in life I'm a believer though personally I think everybody needs to experience trying to start a business at least once yeah. <laughs> get kicked in the face well <laughs> but you know what it, I Sometime. remember when I <clears throat> the first time when I left Lily is when I stepped out and like the only way we were going to make our bills and pay our mortgage was me making money and yeah. doing, doing something. Mm -hmm. And there'd been times I'd done some side jobs or tried to start little businesses when I still had a paycheck coming, but that still wasn't quite the same. But I remember uh, that time and saying, all right, now it's all on me. And it made me want to be a better person <laughs> and call it for what it is. I, I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted good karma. I wanted, you know, I, it made me want to be a better person even outside of business. Yeah. And I mean, like I remember one time in particular, I was driving out of my neighborhood 
and there was a single lady, a widow, had kids, and her trash can had fallen over. And I kept driving, and then I stopped, and I remember thinking, you know, I need all the good in my life I can. And I stopped, went back, and put her trash can by the house. And That's for real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. it's a silly example, but I'm just saying it made me want to be a better person because I needed help so bad, and and I just wanted good things in my life. Yeah, I I I believe in that. Like, you needed... I, that's one of the reasons why I think we're successful in my business is that it's just not me trying to do good. There's multiple people. Oh, that's powerful. That we try to do good as a group. Yeah. And when, you know, an opportunity arises to help somebody. Yeah. You just do it. Because really at the end of the day, I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, any money that you make is just a byproduct of good work that you're doing and helping others. And it's got to be sincere. And so you're right. You know, and then you start getting other people involved and, you know, it just compounds and gets more powerful. But no matter what you do, whether you're getting paid for it or not, if you're not helping people, it's not going to work. Yeah, you can walk into a business and kind of get the feel. Yeah. What kind of... Really quick. Yeah, like, are they all out for themselves? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even to this day, if I if I go to a doctor or go receive, especially, you know, if I'm paying, if I'm paying good money, if I go in there and get the feeling that they're not listening to me, they're not taking notes from previous interactions we've had, they don't know the situation, most of the time I'm on to the next. I don't want to waste my time with that. Yeah. And my time's valuable just like your time is valuable. Mm-hmm. And I'm paying you money, and I and I expect to pay you money. But I also I want to work with professionals and people that are listening and that they care. Yeah. I mean, even now when we hire somebody, I really only have three questions for them. And I tell them, I, I'm not going to micromanage you. There's three things that we have to accomplish, and I want to know how you're going to do it and make sure it gets done. And the first thing is that our clients and people we work with know that you care. And you got, how how are you going to do that? Yeah. I mean, so I guess before we get into what you're doing right now, when, how, how did that come up? How did, I mean, you kind of said that you have always been interested in finance and investments and Mm -hmm. how did you, how did the opportunity arise? Did you seek out that opportunity? Did it fall on your lap? Yeah. You know, p- people always say, do what you enjoy, and, you know, and I, and I get that. And I think one of the greatest blessings in life is to do what you enjoy and earn a living doing it. So I think I, I heard that a lot, but I never really knew how to implement it or how to do it. And as I would study, I would learn about, and, you know, my, my work is in the financial industry. I mean, I'm an investment advisor, so that's my primary work. So I would study about those things. People would ask me questions. And this is before this is, started. Yeah, this is even just leading up to when I went out on my own. This was because, yeah. you know, these are things that I read about. And so I'd have friends and family members, even uncles and people that would ask me. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Yeah, and, you know, what type of IRA should I open? And, you know, when's a good time to start Social Security? You know, just things like that. And I just knew some things because of what I'd been reading. So the time 
I always had kind of a, maybe an affinity or just because I enjoyed it. I just liked the strategy. I love the idea that we live in a world and in a country where I can earn a dollar and then I can even make that dollar grow. And I think there's something cool about that. And it's not, for me, it's not a money thing. I know that might sound odd, but it's more, I like the strategy of it. I just like the concept. I think it's cool and to do that and to help other people do it. On top of it, like, when you put money into a company, you're also helping that company out. Yeah. And, and then in return, they pay you back. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, the, to me, capitalism is, you know, a special thing. It allows growth. And I understand some people, greed can set in and sometimes people can take advantage. Yeah. But at the same time, the trade-off is well worth it because it, it allows all of us, a lot of people to reach levels. I don't know if they can reach otherwise. I agree. Because there's like, for me, I always told everybody, it's not necessarily about how much money you make. It's about how much money you save. Because like, you know, if you have a guy making 300000 a year, but his, at the end, his net worth is, is like, a thousand bucks because he spent two hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. Yeah, or the guy that makes a hundred thousand, but he only spends fifty. Who's wealthier? Yeah, great point. You know, like who that fifty thousand now can get invested into the market with a good financial advisor, and then it could grow to yeah, who knows how much. Yeah, I've seen some people do some real cool things with just the basics. You know, people that earn. You know, very average salaries, but just are disciplined in their approach, and they become millionaires. Yeah. I mean, where else can you do that? And the thing is, too, I mean, being a millionaire, it's not like, I don't know. I know naturally from the industry I come from, a lot of the discussion is around money, but a lot of people I work with and the ones I value most, money is just a byproduct of who they are. And really, more than anything, they use that money for good. I mean, they're very generous. They make the world a better place. Yeah. And I, I, I see that. So how did the financial investor come up for <coughs> you? Like, when did, um, yeah, how did you, did you seek it out? Did you find an opportunity? Well, I mean, like I, you know, like I mentioned before, it was something that I was already drawn to. But then I would, above all else, I, I consider myself, more than anything, a, an aspiring entrepreneur. Yeah. And so I started to realize I always knew I wanted to get into business. I wanted to do my own thing. But I didn't know what it was. And I used to have the impression, or maybe even early on in life, that you had to invent something crazy or wild, that you had to revolutionize the world. You know, you had to come up with some genius idea. And that seems daunting. That might be intimidating to a lot of people. It was to me. Um, but then as I've gotten older, I realize that's not the case. If you can just take and do something a little better than someone else, and that might mean just purely working a little harder, yeah. then you can, you can start a business. You can go into it. And for me, it was I had the interest in investments, and I liked talking to people about it, and then I wanted to go into business for myself. So the, I brought those two things together, and I would say 
did something within our industry that's not the common path. And that's that I went into business on my own doing that. Most people will go work for a Merrill Lynch or an Edward Jones or, you know, come into the industry through a bank or through an insurance company. And there's nothing wrong with that. But those are just the traditional routes. Mine was untraditional because I knew a guy and I just went in and said, hey, you know, he was on his own. And I said, you know, this is something of interest to me. I want to start on my own. And so day one, when I started, I, I was... 28, 29 years old, had nobody paying me, had the expenses of starting an office, starting a business, and I went six months before I made one dollar. Yeah. Um, but I started on my own, and looking back, it's definitely the harder route, and it's easy to go and work for someone and get get a paycheck. But you know what? You make less doing it, and you're five and ten years down the road. You're, in my opinion, you're not going to be as far. So doing those things early on, and it was probably good because I didn't know even what that I was, was the harder route. That was the harder route, but after getting through it, it definitely put me in a spot five and ten years later that I'm grateful for, and you know I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. So, what was the company you opened up a franchise? I think right. Yeah, I mean, our, the name of our firm is Bander Wealth Management, so yeah. we're a regional firm up in based out of Idaho Falls with offices in Denver and Boise. And that's our, that's my main work. I mean, I mean, obviously you got some, I know personally you got some side gigs because we were doing something together. Yeah. We have an RV dealership together and mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like you dip into a lot of different industries. What would you say sets your, you guys apart from the rest of the people in your industry as far as an investment group yeah like why would customers prefer you over an edward jones td ameritrade uh, advisor well what what do you offer a lot of a lot of my clients a lot of people we work with are are other entrepreneurs they're other business owners and so i think naturally you kind of work with and attract like-minded people yeah and so they like, and they like the idea that I deal with a lot of the same issues they do. Taxes, payroll, um, marketing, you know, they, we can relate on a lot of levels. From, a, from just a pure competitive advantage, um, being an independent firm does give us more latitude. I mean, a lot of the investments that we do, I work in real estate, I do private equity, I, we've done land development, um, investments both that we call traditional and marketable securities so that's your traditional stuff stocks bonds mutual funds and there's a place for that and i hold a series seven license i can do all that and then but also there are times i mean right now the markets have been good and this year that's where we've been investing but there have been other years where real estate's been more of an item or We've done equipment. I mean, I've done a lot of things over the years that are considered non-correlated or they're different. And I have investors that are seeking, a lot of our business-minded investors, they look for things outside the box. They're not always, they don't want the custom cookie-cutter approach. 
And so, you know, I mean, we've done uh, oil and gas, you know, conservation easements, things that help people with their taxes or things. I go into businesses and sit down with their employees and talk to them about why we're setting up a 401k plan, but what that means to them for employee retention, employee morale, how we can help them all in an effort to be more sticky with that company. And we know as business owners, I mean, I don't want a lot of turnover. No. And, and I want my employees to have to buy in, you know? And so I go in and talk to them as much about how, look at what your employer's doing. He's investing in your future. You know, this is more than just, um, you know, a day job. Yeah. Yeah, like, I guess that, you know, benefits, everyone's looking for benefits. They all are. We get that all the time. It's because insurance sucks so bad if you get buy it on your own. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but just it's to tough. be able to market that, this yeah. is a job plus benefits. Right. I mean. No, for sure. Yeah. It goes a long doubt. way. Yeah. And how can, for the small guy out there that has like a, you know, just starting out or how hard is it for them to offer them like the 401k? Is it like that difficult no i don't think so because you've got you know you're paying you've got withholdings you're paying taxes and usually from an employer standpoint you do a three percent match yeah so essentially you pay in three percent to your employees but you'll get some savings on your taxes and i i think it's worth it i mean there's a lot of different plans yeah but you asked earlier too about you know maybe our competitive advantage in the marketplace i've been through that process you know where you grow as a company and what do you start doing with your employees so when i sit down and talk to other business owners i tell them all right here's how we start then as you get to this level this is what we'll do and then this plan we don't they'll come in and they'll say well you know do i need a 401k right now i tell them no you got time there's other things you can do while you've got fewer employees yeah let's work to that and so you know i mean just being in business for ourselves helps. And in bigger, maybe it's bigger cities. And I have some clients that work for big companies and that are taking the traditional route. But a lot of our clients are farmers or doctors or self-employed people that they're grinding just like us. And not to say the others aren't, but um, so that's something I, I like. But to answer your question, no, it's not a big expense, but it just sometimes can seem a little overwhelming. I think I think from, uh, I don't know how Cody feels, but, like, if you just look at, okay, benefits, you think about investments, it seems like a huge task that, like, it would be complicated. But I remember sitting down with um, another guy that does this, and it was pretty easy. It was really easy. To get to, set up? Yeah, to get set up and... Um, we're actually not set up yet, <laughs> but I remember looking at it like, oh, we could do this. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if we turn the tables from, from your standpoint, getting someone a trailer is probably not that big of a deal, but no. to the average person, it'd be like, well, that's a lot. Yeah. From How ordering do I, it to building it to, yeah. yeah. Which one do I go with? What, why this over that? You know, there's, and so it's nice to have somebody that can say, hey, I've been there, I've done that. Help me understand what you're looking for, what your objectives are, and let's customize something for you. Let's find what's going to work. And to me, that's the difference between a professional 
and a salesperson. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. How important is it in your industry to be a professional or a salesman? How many people are more salesmen? Would you say majority of them are just salesmen looking for a paycheck? Like how, how hard, how many times do you see in your industry like an actual business-minded person looking out for the interest of their customers? Well, I mean, you know, my my path's always been a little different because I've worked on my own and with other groups. So I've never worked for like a company and seen the masses or the majority, you might say. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's probably similar to most. You could apply the... Pareto principle and say 80% are transactional, just looking to make it happen that day. 20% are looking to build relationships, be a professional. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's set for our industry. It seems like that probably matches up across a lot of industries. But I value working with professionals. Yeah. And I think anybody can. I've talked to a couple guys at your lots and you know they say they they want to be known as a professional and to me we've talked about it to me that means you're listening even to the point where you know somebody says places they like to go and you take note of that and when you talk to them next you might say hey you're a dooner or you know are you a mountain guy this is something that's better for those that are going to the mountains Mm -hmm. if I'm the customer and I hear something like that I go man this guy's listening and I mean, I've had people just with us selling trailers, and you know, we've just been selling trailers this, for for one year, and this summer's been busy. But it, just applying some of those things, I've had people call me, and they may or may not know that I'm new to the trailer industry, but they're like, yeah. "I'm going to buy from you." And well, all it was was yeah. because you called me back, you said what you were going to do, and you answer, you listened to me. Mm. <laughs> so we, we've talked about that, like the common thread, uh, and you and Brad, and just answering or returning phone calls. Yeah. is, like, you're Huge. already way ahead of the game. Yeah. Like, and if you can do that in, like, a short time frame, it's, like, it's it's amazing how appreciative and, like, how much different that is. Like, you know, you reply to an email, oh, thanks for getting back so quick. And you're like, yeah, uh, it's been, like, an hour, and I'm checking my emails, and I reply. But, yeah. you know, if, it, if it's, you know, well, you it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And if you were to ask me at in the two sentence response. Two sentence response. What's the difference between a professional and a salesman? I'd say exactly what you just said. They listen and they reply. They communicate. Yeah. Communication. Yeah, it, it drives me nuts. Like with in our youth side, like if our coaches don't communicate with the teams, it drives me insane. Like yeah, I'm, we're sitting here getting messages right now. Like, hey, what's the plan? You know, and it's I'm, I'm looking at my watch getting really upset because the coaches haven't done that yet you know and that's like so we'll have a little meeting later today about it but but like for me that's not hard it takes three seconds to reply legitimately yeah you know like uh tonight six o'clock that's all you gotta say you know it's like that's a problem for me yeah yeah if you're having people contact you again over problem is like ask me, the same yeah. question more than once you mean yeah, yeah. Uh, well another problem with me is i was gone for all the fall so <laughs> the occasion <laughs> yeah my community but on the other hand i i kind of like pawned everything off on everybody else so they were getting hopefully taken care of yeah. you know like is that pawning off though is that kind of the structure of a company works right? yeah like if, yeah 
if you yeah. have either partners or employees, yeah, like that's that's their job, right? And if yeah. if they're gone, then someone and else. you're here now. Yeah, now it's your turn, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, it's it's kind of like you have to have that structure, and if you have it, and everybody's doing their job, then there, nobody drops the ball, and there's no there's no break in you know and that that brings a, any of that a good point like there's some power hungry people out there and i think the biggest thing for them getting to that next level is the ability to like you said set up a a um a system where they can when they're not in town or that someone else can handle the business yeah and i've noticed that really stunts growth well, I would, I totally agree. To me, a benchmark in the development of growth of a business is it's truly a business when it's not dependent on any one person. Yeah. And so you couldn't have done what you just did this fall in the first couple of years of your business. No. no. <laughs> but now you have a business. Yeah. And so you can do that. And I know for me getting started, I couldn't have either. And I prided myself on being prompt at everything right yeah Um. and it just takes time and there's no other way to get around it but we work at a time and in a place and in a country where it's so cool because you know there's nothing special about us anybody i mean it's just if you work you apply yourself you're willing to take some chances take a risk take a, a chance on yourself then you can do it and when I was leaving Lily, yeah. when I left to make this transition, everybody would ask me, where are you going, man? What are you doing? Well, what's your problem? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I only say this just to give you an idea. I mean, I was on the path that you wanted to be on with that company. Mm-hmm. And, and my simple response was, it's time for me to take a chance on myself. And, and you know what? I thought about this a lot. I think a lot of entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs do, and it's a good thought process, I thought to myself, well, if this doesn't work, what's the worst that can happen? Just go back. I'll go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And at the time, I had two kids. They were young. And I'm an, my wife is awesome. She's, in, you know, she's got an entrepreneurial spirit, too, and that's what allowed it. But she was like, our kids won't even know the difference. No. And so I actually believe in, I think you can start at any time in life. But don't get to a point or where you feel like you got to have all these things in a row before you can do it, because it's just like anything. It probably won't ever do it. It's okay. like Jerry Maguire. Who's coming with me? Yeah. <laughs> Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition, baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from T-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, 
and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? Do you want to camp, hunt, hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Ruly White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Ruly White is family-owned and operated and has now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and online at rollywhite.com. I mean, the, for the you, hardest part, I think, is as is is, is somebody that's starting the business, though, and, and has your hands in everything uh, all the time, is finding those people that you feel will do it as well as you. My, my I guess I've found kind of over the last four or five years that nobody's going to do it up to your standards. No. 100%, right? And you have to be able to accept that and kind of understand that it might be just as good. It's just not exactly how you want it. Yeah. And there's, you know, finding people that that care as much as you do is, is the thing. Maybe they do it a different way or whatever, but they have to have the care for um, and, and the pride in, in what's going on. And, and it's got to, yeah. you know, really be – I mean, I, I started our thing, and my name was on it. Legitimately, it was my name. And uh, so I took that off because I I didn't want the people I was working with to feel like it was about me, Yeah. right? So yeah. we changed the name of it and did everything so that everybody involved would feel like they were as much a part of it as I was. Yeah, so they're I don't, growing. I still don't know that, I, that we get that all the time. There's a few that I feel like are completely 100% bought in and, and – and they live and die with it, kind of like I do. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way, but like, it's, they care. It's pat. Like I'm passionate about it, right? And yeah. I, I I want everybody with us to feel the same way. That's cool. Not where it's just like an extra thing or a yeah. You know, it's like the, a little side gig or whatever. Yeah. You know, like I want I want you to be really passionate about this and be able to change. I mean, we're, we work with kids. Yeah. Again, it's. I want you to be able to like be a mentor in their life and and kind of change or or steer their trajectory and and the way that yeah they feel about what we're doing you know and I want all the families to feel the same way yeah you know, these kids' parents like they have to like a lot of times I get and I was kind of this way in the beginning like it's not about the parents right it's a hundred percent about the parents like they have to be on board. Well, yeah, but they have to really feel like you care too. They're part of it, oh, you know, okay. and yeah. 
because they do live and die with, with what's going on, right? And this is a an investment, and this is like their direction for their kids. Yeah, I have kids that play and and you know train and do all the stuff, and like I'm, my daughter's seventeen, right? She's a junior in high school, and what she's doing now is like her preparation for college. Like we're hoping, right, that this guides her into a scholarship and you know lets her continue to play in college like she wants to so I watch kind of the way that her stuff runs and try and do the same for ours because she's in a great program that's been around for 20 some years yeah and that's what they do they get the girls to college and so that's our direction as well and the parents like have to be even though they're maybe 10 or 12 or 14 whatever now like this is a direction that we're trying to prepare them for it's not just about right now you know and that's and but the I think the biggest thing that we miss as a whole not just my program but all the programs here is is making the parents feel like they're all part of it and all one family like there were the direction that we're trying to go is for every single person in our in the program you know and they all have to feel like they get the same attention yeah and that's the hardest part because we have some teams that are like you know, kind of elite level and like nationally ranked right up at the top. And I feel like the teams that aren't there kind of feel like, well, this is their team and we're just part of it. Yeah. We're we're honestly and truly like the younger teams for me are even more important than the older teams because for the program to continue and our, our company to continue to grow, like these kids are the future. Yeah. These kids have been through it. They're already done. They're not done. They're yeah. still going through it, but, like, we've had them for four or five years, right, where this is the future. Yeah. And we have to get these guys to where these guys are at, you know. So, and that's the hardest part is, is convincing the, the staff to make them feel, or, or not make them feel, but help them, yeah, like, feel that way, myself included. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's, yeah. it's, like, it's not that big a deal. They're 10. Yeah. It's even a bigger deal for them. Yeah. You know, Makes and that's sense. that's the hardest part. The newer people in the program are the ones that need to feel like they're part you of have it. more interest. Because yeah. if know, you like, don't, they're probably going to. They'll go somewhere else. Yeah. They're like gonna, there's they, yeah. a million options. Yeah. I wouldn't say the name of, of them are better right now. Yeah. Um, there's some that are as good probably or close to it. Yeah. Um, but. There's other options. Yeah. We don't want the other options to be an option. Yeah. You know, like, we want everybody to feel like they're in the right spot from a 9-year-old to a 18-year-old. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter to me. They're all the same. You know, and that's kind of like in any business, right? Like, if you have a client, Blaine, that has $100 in the account but trying really hard, and then you probably have people that have – tens of millions of dollars in their account and you got to make every one of them feel like like, the same with me someone comes and buys a used trailer for five thousand bucks compared to a guy that buys a brand new yeah huge 40 whatever costs 100 grand they're treated the same like i remember i had a customer call and say hey they wanted to get in sooner and they were saying because we spent this dollar amount we need to get in sudden. I said, 
I'm sorry, man, but like we treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care if you spend a hundred dollars here. Like yeah, just because you spend more money doesn't mean anything. As in, like we're gonna treat you good no matter what. Yeah. But no one's in front of the other. You know what? I mean, that's what makes you a, a good business and a good operation because I I believe people can see through that. And you know, if you start, if if you don't. You know, I think eventually that catches up with you. Yeah, definitely in the long run. So I think it will. If you if you're that short minded and you're just gonna you know chase the big fish, which don't get me wrong, my industry is that way too. You know, I mean having big fish is the way to go. But I remember before setting minimums and you know really establishing that part of our firm, the people that entrusted me and that started even as they were getting started, and a lot of them knew I was, and they were. You know, I, I feel a tremendous amount of loyalty to them. I'm grateful for the chance they took on me as well. And, you know, so that's, I think that's just part of running a good business. Yeah. You know, I'm with you. And, um, you know, I have a fair amount of clients where a lot of times they'll bring their kids in, you know, and they want to get them started. Yeah. And so we go through and we talk about just the basics, steps setting up a, a Roth IRA and, you know, dollar cost averaging, putting some money in each month and the importance of if you can set aside 10%, you know, it's, it, it's a, but it's a mindset that we're trying to achieve more than anything, especially early. And, you know, there's, if I could, I'll share one story from you from my, with my time in Dallas when I moved out there after here, there were a lot of things that happened that continue to, serve as a benefit to me from that time. But one thing in particular I remember was I was starting to earn a little bit of money in for the first time in my life where I had a little bit in the bank, you know, it wasn't blown every weekend. Yeah. And, you know, and I remember actually it was, uh, I had saved up $2,000. And at that time, this was in the year 2000, and I'd studied it out. I knew the maximum contribution for a Roth IRA at that time was $2,000. So I walked in and, and I studied on what I was going to do with that money. And to most people, that meant nothing, that amount of money. But I studied, I figured out what I was going to do, and I walked into a Charles Schwab in Dallas, Texas, and had my check for $2,000, and I opened up a Roth, and I started to invest. That was your first investment? First investment. I was 20 years old, and actually, it was on my 20th birthday. Oh, that's cool. And I, but I had worked for that. And the reason I share that story is because now I'm, I just turned 40 this year, just recently. And so now I'm 40. And I, looking back, I can't tell you what that 2000 is invested in. I don't have a story to tell you, oh, it's grown 500% any of that. It's, it's there. It's invested. But the thing that I learned and that benefited me the most from that experience was it got me thinking in the future got me thinking about investing. It got me thinking about saving and then how I can make for a better tomorrow. And so it got me down a path that then ultimately led to much greater things. I was able to set aside a little bit of money as I went. So when the time came to take a leap, and to leave a solid job and to go take a chance on myself, it wasn't that I had a lot of money, but it was that I had a little bit to at least feel like I had a bit of a cushion to where I could then go take that chance. And and it got me thinking, and that's opened up doors well beyond what that $2,000 ever did. Mm-hmm. And so if there's anything that I 
would tell to, to people regardless of age is get started, do something, and watch how it works. Because what it does, it lights a fire in you. It, when you start to see it, and then you can start to think a little bit more about your future. And, and then having some of that extra cushion can help you in life, whether it's needed things, things that go unexpected or out of, you know, accidents happen or whatever, or to help somebody, or to go in and do a business. Yeah. And I come across people all the time that have work ethic. They have great ideas, but they're just not in a spot to maybe take a chance or to, to do something. And so they don't, you know, they can't go into business for themselves. And so there's all kinds of reasons, but what I'm getting at is start, do something, even if it's a hundred bucks, you know, shoot for 10% a year, but start saving, start doing something because doors will open and things can happen that you, you just don't see in the moment. I totally so, agree. Yeah. I It's so addicting for me to, it makes me want to invest more and more and save more when you see the money grow. Yeah. And you're able to see, man, like, and then you, like you said, you think about the future. Yeah. If I could get to this point, then I'll be free from ever like the, the burden of bringing in money. Right. Yeah. And, um, that gets me really excited. And I think if anybody, like you said, if they just invest a hundred bucks, they'll start to see it grow Mm -hmm. and then, you know, it can turn into something. It, you can. I think I don't remember it exactly, but wasn't it Albert Einstein that said something like the greatest invention or the was compound interest? Compound interest. I mean, there's something along those lines. Like if yeah. you know, then and, and it is. You know, it's we were talking the other night. You know, a lot of times people, even if you just think about that law of seventy-two, you can take any number, divide it by two. And that'll, or 72, and that'll tell you the interest rate and the amount of time to double. So if you're earning 8%, you divide it by 72, it's going to take nine years to double. Or if you take 10, if you're earning 10% a year and you divide that by 72, it's going to take 7.2 years to double. So if you think about that, you know, 50,000 gets to 100, 100 gets to 200, 400. Yeah. You know, and that's if you're not contributing, you just put some money in and so um that's a pretty cool concept yeah i like it i think the the thing both you guys hit on there was kind of like freedom right like i get asked a lot like as money's you know it's not what do you work so hard or what it's for me it's not about the money yeah it's about kind of the freedom that that will offer right at some point um but that's like, and that's freedom to have more time with your family and travel totally. and, and do whatever it is, you know, you want to do. And hopefully, if yeah. you do it well enough, it assures your, your kids some freedom, uh, like, as they come up and um, generationally, hopefully, hopefully it, it, it kind of passes down, you know, and that's, for me, that's what kind of drives me is, is that, you know, I retired from playing and it's like, why are you grinding so hard right now? That's so. I, I want like to be totally done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I won't ever sit still because I don't do yeah. that. But but like to not have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, right. I I want my kids to have that opportunity to to kind of learn the same thing and have those freedoms as as they get older too. So it's for me that's that's what kind of yeah triggers me uh, thinking about that. Yeah, that's. I think the, both of you guys kind of touched on that. 
Yeah, I like that. Well, that that whole thought, like you're saying, Cody is, uh, you know, that's the mindset of an entrepreneur too. You know, when we, in our firm, when we talk about retirement, we don't talk about it like 65. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. Right. It's more, and in, in, in a lot of business people think this way, but it's more of just at what age do you want to have that freedom and independence to where you you could live off what you got. You don't have to work, but they all say the same thing. I'm never going to stop. I'm always going to be working. But at what what are we working towards to get to that level of independence or right. freedom? And, and, and then, you know, I mean, you can, like you said, you know, you can help help other people there's yeah. there's a lot that can be done but um you know i think it's a mindset more than anything yeah, without a doubt yep i agree mindset and here's a a, a thought i it made me think of you guys just you know and i've listened to some of your podcasts and i think it's awesome to bring in together the things that you do and you know, I mean, some might say it's kind of random, but business and hunting and oh, this is, it's yeah. really random, but yeah, for but, sure. But as I was thinking about it, I, 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 it made me think of this. Um, I had a guy the other day that was in, he's in his seventies, and a self-made guy. Um, he's a farmer up where we're at. And I mean, you know, like when I say self-made, I mean he's you know multi, multi-millionaire and doesn't need to work, doesn't need to do anything. And he's in his 70s, and he's in the office, and we're talking about, he's saying he wants to consolidate his, wants to just kind of simplify. He's got some kids, you know, he's um, wanting to slow it down, bring it together. You know, we spent 15 minutes talking about this, how we were going to consolidate. And then right after that conversation, he starts telling me about this new venture and this development with batteries and uh, more efficient use of power and how this battery it's smaller and <laughs> I mean in the same conversation and I said man I said Kent you were just telling me you want to consolidate you want to make things a little more simple mm-hmm. and he looked at me and he said you know what Blaine he said it's just all about the hunt so yeah I said what do you mean and he said it's the, the hunt that's what that's what keeps me going he said, you know, whether this deal, this project makes him a million, five million, or he loses 10, it would, it would not change his everyday life in any way, shape, or form. But he's telling me about this new deal and what this venture is. And he said his whole reason for it was the hunt. And I think that's, that, that applies in business, you know, that, that thrill. And for me, I'm a, I enjoy sports. But I've never had high levels of success in sports. I played in high school, and but I love it. I love getting out and having fun. I give it everything I got, and it's the thrill of it. And I, to me, business is, you know, my sport or my hunt. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, and I, I think a lot of people can probably feel that way. Well, that's that's where the title of our playing the game came from. Like, yeah, it's it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a sport that you're playing. It could be the game of know business for the game of whatever but don't be afraid to play it i yeah. think in the intro at the, the babe ruth quote right where yeah never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game that's awesome that's, that's like in everything yeah um, just, if you if you want to do it and you have a passion for it do it yeah, yeah. If, you, if you screw up you screw up like well, 
Yeah. Do it better and, next time. You, and know? you know what? Most entrepreneurs have probably more losses than wins. It's oh, just yeah. that the wins are bigger. Are bigger, right? Like, Would or you? they feel better. They feel, yeah. <laughs> it might not be bigger. Well, you know, uh, one thing I like, everybody always talks about business, and you've probably heard that nine out of ten businesses fail. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody says that. And my, my thought to that is always, well, nine out of ten businesses do fail, but not per person. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to get back in it, chances of you getting one to go are high because each time you're learning something new. Why well, I failed before. Yeah. Yeah. So if I were to take that and say, Cody, you were to, if you started 10 businesses, 9 out of 10 aren't going to fail. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Not and anymore. I, and I think that, and I, I mean. Half of those are going to work. That's right. Half. At least. You'd At make least. Them, I already failed on four of them. You'd no, make them all work, but I, I think that applies to most people. Yeah. And that's why a lot more people could be out starting and doing stuff. But, yeah, you may fail once. You may fail twice. And I've got some pretty big failures. I was telling you one about the other night. Yeah. You know, um, but big deal that didn't go as planned. But we learned from it. And you know what? Made the next one that much better. Yeah. So I don't think it's stubborn, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not going great, but. Yeah, we, we can fix it, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and like, yeah. I think I'm too stubborn sometimes. Like, yeah. For four years, I'll try and fix it. But No, like, I think a lot of times people fail because they're not financially, um, you know, they don't have discipline financially. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, a lot of times you see businesses and they're doing great and then they're got to, everything's getting taken out of the office. You're like, what happened? Yeah, and the because they're selling, and it comes down to they just weren't disciplined financially. Yeah, well, I remember getting started, and these some of these things are kind of a, you know, kind of maybe even crazy in a way. But you know, I had a little bit of savings, but I like that saying. You know, you expect the best, but plan for the worst. Yeah, and so I, in leading up to go out on my own and step away, where there was no. No income. I remember I refinanced my house. I went interest only, which I wouldn't recommend that. But the reason <laughs> yeah. why so I... So my eyes just got big. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why I did that is I, it was a cash flow play. You were and just, I knew yeah. I needed to have money that could last as long as possible. So I saved up what I could. I refinanced my house, went interest only, five-year arm. And I thought, I got to make this work. I'm going to be in a bind. I went... <laughs> And I took I took out a couple credit cards. I got the max that I could. Not that I wanted to max them, but if I needed to go there, you got I, it. I needed it. Yeah, and I did just some of these things to try to get ready in case it came. Now I'm thankful to say I didn't I didn't make money for six months, and I did use those credit cards, but I was ready in five years when it came time to re, to get my house in order. Yeah. You know, and to do that with my loan. and But those are some risky moves that... Um, but you put all the chips on the table. You said, you know what? I'm planning for the worst, and I'm doing that so that way we can make this happen. Yeah. And I got every... I You put your house on the line. And I, I that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Was there ever a time that you put all the chips on the table? And it sounds like that's this is the time yeah. you did it. Well, no, um, I'll tell you this. For me, it was in the third year that I felt like I started to turn the corner. But my first two 
we're tough, bad. And don't get me wrong, there's been challenges along the way, but when I talk to people now that are looking at, and the way I describe it, they're taking a chance on themselves. And I tell people all the time, I'm an investment guy. And I mm-hmm. tell people, your best investment is in yourself. Yeah. And I believe that. And so I don't, I'm not the kind of guy that tries to keep their money with us, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell them, you, if you got something, if you're looking. I was just talking to a doctor the other day. He's like, I'm looking at buying this building. And that would mean taking money from me. And I first question I asked him was, well, could you see yourself leasing that building to yourself? And it helping your business? He was like, yeah. I said, well, that gives more reason to do that. Because that'll help your business. And that's your best investment. And if you can get in your own building, lease from yourself. But anyways, I, I believe that. But um, I tell people all the time, if you can't commit to two years, come hell or high water, then you're not ready. Yeah. You have to be able to give it everything you got for two years and don't, not even ask yourself if, it's, if you're going to continue. And for me, my first year, I went oh, six months, didn't make any money. Yeah. Next six months, I made a little bit. But then actually, I ran into something that was a, a costly learning. And that is I did have a period of time, about 10 months, where I officed with a guy. We shared the same space. We had the same broker-dealer. And he didn't pay me nothing, but I was splitting expenses and brought up a few questions to him, you know, some things that didn't quite make sense. Next thing I know, he comes in, plops a letter on the table from his attorney. Now, this guy's making it in the business. I wasn't. Plops this letter down and says, you're out. This thing's over. And not only that, you owe me this money. And we had formed an entity, me and him, and never in the entity did I ever think that he could affect my ability to work or I could affect his ability to work. But he showed up and said, not only that, you can't work. You've got you, you a non-compete. So I spent the second year trying to start a business but also fighting at the same time, this guy. And the only reason I bring that up is my second year was harder. And I could have very easily given up at that time. But I had made that commitment that it was two years or nothing for me. And I'm thankful I did because it did take that full second year to get out of that. But then my third year, I started to turn the corner. Yeah. And I started to not only be able to provide for my family, but then start to get ahead. And then I've just kept that entrepreneurial spirit and tried to, the reason we've gone into other locations is we do a lot of 1031 exchanges. So specific real estate transactions. And I like being in the bigger markets. But the way I got into those markets were other people retiring. Right now, everybody talks about the baby boomers and all these people that are retiring. Well, I thought, hey, that's also happening in my industry. So I want to create a platform where these people could come in. And that's what I did in three instances where they could come in, retire, transition their book, and I could take over. And so we've done that over the years. We've started an insurance agency and... We do that just because it's a complimentary service, just something that you see taking place. And then probably one thing that I really enjoy is that I've aligned with a couple other advisors out of Detroit and another one in New Jersey. And we have a group, it's called Advanced Planning Educational Group. But we are on the ground professionals that are having everyday interactions just like all our colleagues 
But I'm sure you guys would say something similar. The people you learn from most are usually your colleagues and others that are mm-hmm. fighting the same fight you are. Yeah. You know, when I go to meetings or conferences, sure, there's speakers, there's presenters, there's vendors, there's people there. But where I benefit the most is sitting around the table and talking to people that are going and experiencing the same things I am. Yeah. So what we did was create this group, other advisors all throughout the country participate as members, and we provide advanced planning educational topics, and we teach on different things. But we also, you're learning from the best in your industry that are doing it right now. And to me, there's that's why I was interested in it. And so we do that for other professionals throughout the country that are in our industry, uh, teach topics, but also just share stories about you know, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And so I would love to go and spend time with the top professionals that I'm trying to get to. Yeah. And I've done that. I've, I've flown out to Kentucky just to go see their offices, you know, get a feel for those that are getting, that are out where I want to be. But to learn from others is tremendous, but time often restricts that. And so I would tell people, do everything you can to look at who's at where you want to be and then just study cop, them. Copy what yeah. they do. Visit their website. Sign up for their newsletters. Go go to talk to them. If you can go to lunch, take that time and do it. And I know with our firm, we have five model firms. And some know and some don't. But they are the ones that are where we want to get to. And so we try to learn and watch what they do. Yeah. So. I, that's a great, great point is learning from others and you can learn from their mistakes and like you said when you're talking to other very successful people in your industry the thing that i learn most a lot of times is what not to do yeah what not to do what not to sell we talk about trailer brands we talk about you know products we offer and situations with customers and how to react to those situations or failures they had on their side. And that way you don't repeat those failures. Yeah. Learn from their mistakes. Like, I think even just what we've done this past year with Rolly White RV, I mean, it's been a perfect example to me of that because we, Dave and I are new to the industry. Yeah. But we came in this first year and being able to lean on you guys with 15 years experience in the industry um, there's no way we could have gone through and had a year like we did the first year without being able to watch and learn from your mistakes and things that you guys have learned and over. And we made it a pretty successful year for uh, a new business. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, we talk a lot of times, if you, you know, getting in the positive, you know, especially with an investment, a lot of times people are happy with two years and, you know, we did it in about seven months. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And but we cool. had all like-minded people <laughs> together, yeah. And we used all the experience that we had, and it was fun to say, "Hey, you guys were about to be in a situation that we've already been in." Yeah. Say, so, "Hey, let's reverse out of that. Let's do something different." Yeah. We'll see. Uh, it is fun. I mean, partnerships. Everybody knows they have their their challenges, but they've got their strengths too, and so. Um, Dave is a, a partner of ours and there's four of us doing Idaho and, man, it's just been fun. Everybody has a different role and a different contribution, but 
it's cool to work together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, you know, it's funny is like how like-minded Cody is with me on how he runs his business and how you are like-minded to me. And when you get into that group of people, it seems like you share a lot, all the same values. Just, just a different business model. Yeah, totally. The The hardest part for us, and you're right, we are, is finding the employees that are, are oh, like-minded. Yes. And, yes. and I don't want to badmouth anybody we have. It's just like we talked about earlier, is finding the, the passion and the employees to, yeah. to push the business the same same direction yep. consistently every day, not when they feel like or when it's convenient. You know what I mean? And that's the... That's the, especially on, on our side because the turnover is like yeah. all the time. And, and if, like, if I'm not happy with them, I just let them go. It's yeah. not like, well, you and I mean on. that, like, yeah, but it's so hard to find. I know. Sometimes you get in the first stuck. place, right? Yeah, like, yeah. to, to, to yeah. get them in the door in the first place, it's so, so difficult. We're um, like the opposite. We're, we'll probably hang on to somebody. Or too long because mm-hmm. we're trying to turn this person into right. what we want them to be. And yeah. I did that the first couple of years. Yeah. Like, just kind of, they'll get better. Than, they'll yeah. get better. They don't. Well, no. They say it's hard to in practice, but as you know, slow to hire, quick to fire. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's I, hard. It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. But we actually cut our, our, our teams or our organization in about half. Because of that, just because I wasn't satisfied with who was running the you know the teams or whatever, yeah. And so I like I literally went from like sixteen down to eight. Yeah. Um, how to how to come out? How to work for you? It's easier. Like it's less headache. Um, obviously, that we don't have the the numbers that we had. Um, I mean, there's no reason if I had the right. If I had the right employees, we would be at 20 easy. Yeah. yeah. Like, we get that much interest. I just have to turn them away because we don't have the uh, the quality. Yeah, yeah you're, you're looking that for I a want. certain yeah, standard. Yeah, I, I could have the numbers, right? For me, it's not about the numbers. It's about having the the uh, the staff that will uphold the standards that I that I want. Yeah. And that we want as an organization, you know, and that's that's the hardest part is finding that. Like, if you're looking at pure numbers and and just doing it, yeah, no problem. But that's not why we're doing it. Yeah, no. you know. And I think that, I think that that kind of speaks to what we're in it for, too. You know, yeah. um, you know, if if you if you're willing to drop off, and I, I don't want to say drop off, but but I mean, cut that many. You're looking at 10 to 12 per, you know, and you cut 10 of them. Yeah. It's 100 people. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot. It's a ton. And uh, so if we're, I I would like to be at that number. You know, there's no reason that we shouldn't aside from staff, you know, and and I'm not willing to do four or five teams anymore. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I was getting burned out and it was, it was affecting my the way I was performing as a as a coach or mentor. Yeah. And that wasn't worth it for me. For sure. Yeah. And I don't want my other guys to do the, to do that either. Yeah. Um so 
that's the hardest part is, is finding that that group that is like we said is, is passionate and, and and you know the right direction cares yeah. about what they do especially yeah. in your industry because it's like very hands-on yeah and you're coaches. influencing kids yes. like and for me that's that's the biggest thing it's like we're we're, we're not just a coach we're a mentor we're a a father figure for some of them were a, a big brother for others, you know, and it's kind of, it's, uh, it's important, man. You have an influence on their, their actual lives. Yeah. Like some of my guys don't even speak English. <laughs> like they get, but they don't have to deal with customers. Right. All we just have to make sure they fix the trailer, but they're not the face of the organization. Yeah. Right. So your, your person is a, going to be a much more difficult person mm-hmm. to find in general. Yeah, yeah. I want each coach to be a face of that team. Yeah, and a face of the organization. Like I don't just want mine to be why everybody's here. Yeah, because you want one performance to stand on itself. Yeah, by itself. So like, when you're not there, it's still so operating. like August to December. I can be on the yes, exactly. Brock White program. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It'll be Brock and Cody hunting adventures. I'll try it. Oh, well, some fun podcast yeah that's cool that's what that's one thing that's i've noticed though even just with the roly white crew i mean there's it's a there's a lot of people but there's a lot of buy-in and i don't know exactly how you guys have accomplished that but i don't know either <laughs> trips you know, to the but dunes. just a lot of guys yeah. that care about what they do and they want the customer to have a good experience i think if the employer the boss and i hate calling myself a boss yeah. I, I really do. I do too. I know what you mean. Um, but the people I work with, I make them feel like I really care about them, their family. Yeah. And I've had several people come up and ask like for help because they're trying to get a house. Mm-hmm. And we have always been, as a company and as a person, always hand, arms open, like, how, how can we help you? Yeah. And I think when you really care about the person, then they care about you mm-hmm. and they care about the, and then work becomes like a family, like yeah. a, like you're drinking the Kool Aid, you know. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know I hear it a lot in sports, but they talk about co- a team representing the personality of the coach. You know that mm-hmm. a lot of times the coach sets the culture and the the uh, personality of the team. I'm sure that applies in business too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So. And if you if you're pissing people off outside, like your team is upsetting other teams, like, mm-hmm. then you're doing the right job. Right. You're, yeah. you're, you're nailing it. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I'm sure, like, there's a lot of people that don't like one performance. There's other a lot clubs. of people that don't like me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Same with me. Well, it, and it's, I'm probably ass sometimes. I'm sure I am, but, like, I'm also honest. Yeah. And so if you ask me, I'm going to tell you the truth, and if you don't like it, then... Like, I'm okay with it because I, I know I was honest with you. You might not like it. You might either leave or, or be pissed off and think a certain way about me, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's just because they let their ego get in the place of getting better. Yeah. I bet you see that a lot, too, in what you do. Oh, we see it a ton, but, you know, I, you know, but if you ask me, like, I would be doing you a disservice if I wasn't honest with you. Yeah, totally. It's a critique, right? You're trying to help them. In a way, like, because you're being honest with them. Yeah, I'm not going to, like, you know, go look for you to tell you something. Like, I'm not going to call you out yeah. most times. 
but <laughs> sometimes I might. But if if you ask me, like I want to tell you the truth, and then yeah. you know you're gonna tell me that whatever. Like well, you'll, you'll have an opinion of that, whether yeah. good or bad or, or indifferent. And that's up but to you and your ego and yeah. your willingness to learn and get better. But well, I'm okay going home at night knowing yeah. I was honest. You know what I think is cool about that? And I remember having a manager when I was working with Lily, and she told me that people that are willing to give you feedback are the ones that care the most. Yeah. Because most people, they just, they're going to go about their day, they're busy, they're all they're thinking about is what's on their mind, which usually is them. Yeah. So if somebody is willing to take time to stop and even tell you something that may not sit well with you, that's someone who truly cares. Yeah. No. And sure. even if I don't agree with it when someone does that, I, right. I think we all, you know, that should be, well, thank you. Thank you for ta- sharing yeah. that with me. There was a guy yesterday that, that one of the coaches, they've left the program, and one of the coaches tell me that they are bad-mouthing the program. Like, uh, we don't we don't know what we're doing or whatever. I was like, it's his opinion. Like, I disagree with it, but he's entitled to that, right? Yeah. I said, but also tell him that I'm 100% open to sitting down with him and listening to why. That's cool. And I'm dead serious yeah, about I that because – you're going to help us get better. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Maybe there's something right? that you like, don't know about. Maybe he's off his rocker and he's full of crap and he's just unhappy. He's not here anymore, but yeah. Yeah. maybe he's got something that yeah. I'm not seeing. And so I, I was like, the coach laughed. I was like, no, I'm dead serious. Like yeah. I'm 100% willing to take him to lunch and sit down and listen to yeah. why. Yeah. Because if you're right, it's going to help us in the long run. Totally. So I really, really, I'll call people if they leave. And be like, hey, you know, all the best. Can you tell us what we did wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it was nothing. Well, if it's nothing, you wouldn't be leaving. Yeah. And I'm not looking to cause a problem. I'm looking to honestly evaluate our program from the inside, and, and you tell us how we can get better. Yeah. Yeah. And it, nobody's willing cool. to do that. <laughs> no. And, and that's the part that's upsetting to me is that I'm asking you for, for something, yeah, because you're telling yeah. us we didn't do a good job. All you have to do is tell me why. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. going to take you ten minutes. Well, you know, most people aren't willing to do that, but also most people aren't willing to do what you're doing. You know, and true and welcome, invite that kind of feedback. You really got to set your ego aside. To do I don't that. need you to tell me I'm doing things well. Yeah, like and I did when I played. I was the same way. Like if I did it well, it was my job. Yeah. If I wasn't doing it well, please tell me because that's the only way I can improve. Yeah. Well, that's where successful people come in place because it's not about how you perform when it, all the stars align. It's about how you perform yeah. when, you know, you have failure and adversity. Have adversity. Yeah. Like, right. that's that's what makes a successful person. Totally. And you know what? Uh, to me, even, like, think about this year, 2020, mm-hmm. and what's happened. As I think about it, I think – if you want to take a victim mentality and you want excuses, like this year has been awesome and the best that you, you know, you could ask for. At the same time, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in a variety of industries that have said this is the best year they've had from a business standpoint. And please know, I know there's a lot more to it. And, right. and I'm not trying to discount. Mm-hmm. People. I know that there are illnesses and, and people struggles, real right. struggles. Right. But what I'm trying to say is if you want to stand out and you wanted an opportunity to separate yourself, 
this year and what's going on right now, I think is as good a time as any. If you want to step up, if you want to be different, be better, and work hard, I mean, look at what's happened in the world around us. Yeah. If you're looking um, for excuses and you want to be a victim guy, yeah, then right. do it's it. Also That's also available. Yeah. yeah. And you, you, you know, now you can miss anything and put it on. You know, you right. got an excuse and you're good. But if you want to stand out, and so I, I look at it and I think, man, you know, if you, if there's a time to run, if there's a time to be different, to stand out, to show that you can be better, now's the time. Well, that's why I was hoping our industry had flushed some turds out. You know, like yeah. the industries. I bet every industry. No, we're all represent different industries here, and I bet there's a way for the industry to just flush some turds every once in a while. Yeah, that's what I was hoping that would happen. Like some of these dealers, it's, that it's not over. I mean, there's no, it's still happening, but flush them out. But you've seen it, like, I mean, there's been so many new, innovative ways to do things that, yeah, to run the same businesses oh, just man. in a different yeah. way. How many businesses can run from home now? Yeah. That they didn't that don't need to go and pay a big expense. That's office. good and bad, right? Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. really good for some of the businesses, but they've also probably cut down on a lot of jobs. Yeah. Um, but but there's also I think a lot of people that have really come to the forefront of yeah. of innovation and, and yeah. you know Zoom. Even even more freedom that we talked about, yeah. right? Like freedom. you can do the same job yeah. but there's there's more freedom. Like you don't have to be at the office from nine to five and you don't have to yeah. You know, you can do that same job and we can get the same amount out of you, yeah. you know, as far as a company. Yeah. And you can work for a couple hours and you can do it from home and you don't have to commute. And like, you have more time with the family and the kids. Yeah. And, and so I've really kind of seen that from the outside yeah. and uh, I really liked it. And we've even done some stuff like I do. I, I was, we're setting it up again, but like weekly Zoom calls with yeah. whoever, Yeah. right? Yeah. Talk about, you know, hitting, training, nutrition, whatever it may be, and, you know, just groups come in, yeah. and I'll go on for an hour and answer any question they want. And, like, that's something we never did before. We had to do it all in person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now we can now we that. can reach out to people all over the country. Yeah. yeah. Like, we can, like, I had, you know, Chicago, Florida, New York, whatever, those same parents and kids can be yeah. How cool. as part of the thing. So it, it was really, like, yeah. And that was given to me by – you know, by somebody, they, they said, what about this? And I was like, yeah. let's do it. I, I think, think it's great. I think the way we do business and, you know, the world as we know it has changed. And yeah. this will be another level of efficiency. I mean, imagine how it was before cell phones. Oh, my gosh. And, but now. Land, send me a beat a page. What, you page a beeper? Yeah. Fax me. I mean, just all. Fax machines. But, you know, I mean, there'll be a lot of this that's here to stay. And, yeah. you know, but people that are willing to, to get up and go, I mean, even with us, we got, we had been working on putting together this dealership up in Idaho Falls for close mm -hmm. to a year. And yeah. there was a lot of hoops, getting licenses, permitting, right. contracts, uh, inventory, all that. The week we got our final yeah. permit yeah. from the county was the first week of lockdown. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the four of us, and this is what I like and appreciate and love most about these guys, the four of us got on the call. And I think if we would have decided, well, let's put it on hold. We had every excuse. It could have been done, and probably nobody would have thought much of it. But amongst us four, that wasn't even a consideration. It was, all right, well, hey, this is out there. What should we do? And it was unanimous. Everybody was like, well, keep running. Let's figure it out. 
and it turned out to be the busiest summer and best summer I think we could have hoped for for right. a new for a new uh, location. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Talking to them, like business toy haulers were yeah flying out. It was. Cr- I were, know everybody was out there when yeah. I was. So we were <laughs> deemed essential. I think it's actually changed a lot of people's view on camping. Like I think more people are going to be camping now, and oh. it created a whole new group of people that weren't there before. Right. Yeah. Bad for us, good for you. Bad for the <laughs> trying to find a bad for us spot. people that want to go out there and be Yo, peaceful. Who oh man, I went on a on Memorial Day. We didn't actually yeah, camp, yeah. but we visited some friends that were camping. I couldn't believe how many people were oh. out there. Just, we just went on a random weekend. Yeah, uh, back in June or whatever it was. <laughs> the the could, woods were full. Yeah, I mean of yeah. humans. Yeah, yeah, motorcycles, quads, side by yeah. sides, just rolling around the woods, and yeah. yeah, I mean they were all. It was tough to even be able to buy those this summer. Everybody yeah. was low and tight yeah. on inventory, but it. Uh, I mean, it. I know for me personally, not being all that familiar with the industry when all this was coming about in March, April, I was thinking, man, you know, is there going to be a lot of people that are going to be willing to fork out that kind of cash on a discretionary item when the world's in right. This unknown, and that they wasn't did. the case. Yeah, People right. did, <laughs> and yeah, everybody. A, fun. be careful with spending. I think everybody went the other way. Yeah, everyone went the other way. There was well, a lot of, uh, yeah, and especially those people that you know had some on the sidelines planning. Yeah, some planning. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you can do. So it was, it was fun. It's been, a, a, you know, it's been learning. It's a cool industry, though. Yeah, you know, I like the people involved with it, yeah. and you know, the people it attracts. It's fun. Yeah, there's been some great people, you know, at the archery thing that yeah. you guys were at, and like the, the, those are all kind of the same niche people, you know, that yeah. that buy the trailers and have that stuff, and and uh, yeah. it's been it's been it's been fun for me meeting that that other side, and we've talked about it. It's more to me, it's a little more genuine side of yeah. human, right, than the people we deal with a lot. Um, in, in life, but I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it yeah. uh, for sure. It's been good. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've uh, definitely hit our time. We yeah. did good. Hey, it's been, it's been awesome. It's, I've been listening to your shows and, you know, I think it's really cool. You guys putting some information out there and letting people learn more of your stories and just be real. It's cool. Well, we appreciate you being on. Yeah, some good info today. If uh, if they're uh, where can people reach out to you? Our, our website's banderwealth.com. Okay, and um, yeah, we work with people all throughout the country. So it doesn't matter if you don't live in Idaho Falls. No. Still give them a call. No, nope, I'm licensed in many states, and uh, totally. I mean, that's the work we do. That's what we do best. And you know, I love working with people that are thinking ahead, and especially. You know, with that business mindset, I think it's cool. Yeah. You know, that are in the hunt. Yeah. In the go. hunt. In the hunt. Get like in the that. game. Play the game. That's right. Get I in the hunt. They've got a new shirt <laughs> coming in out. In the hunt. Yeah. For yeah. playing the game. Playing the game. PTG. Yeah. Yeah. So, hit him up there and uh, rally white. And one performance. Yeah, whatever. One Worry performance if you want to be training to the next level. That's right. That's right. Next level training. There you go. Is that what it is? Uh, no. no, just one performance. I've, I've next, 
next, next level, level training. Cool. Next level. Next level. Anyway. Thanks, Thanks for guys. listening, everybody. Take care. Thank you. We'll see you later. Bye.